You are listening to the audio podcast of the weekly message preached at Central United Methodist Church in Arlington, Virginia. You're invited to worship with us in person on Saturdays at 4.30 p.m. or virtually through Zoom or Facebook on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Visit us at www.cumcballston.org. There you can learn more about our congregation and how we worship God, serve others, and embrace all. Today's scripture is Mark 2, verses 1 through 19, the Common English Bible. Healing and Forgiveness After a few days, Jesus went back to Capernaum, and people heard that he was at home. So many gathered that there was no longer space, not even near the door. Jesus was speaking the word to them. Some people arrived and four of them were bringing to him a man who was paralyzed. They couldn't carry him through the crowd, so they tore off part of the roof above where Jesus was. When they had made an opening, they lowered the mat on which the paralyzed man was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Child, your sins are forgiven. Some legal experts were sitting there muttering among themselves. Why does he speak this way? He's insulting God. Only the one God can forgive sins. Jesus immediately recognized what they were discussing, and he said to them, Why do you fill your minds with these questions? Which is easier to say to a paralyzed person, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up. Take up your bed and walk. But so you will know that the human one has authority on the earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, Get up, take your mat, and go home. Jesus raised him up, and right away he picked up his mat and walked out in front of everybody. They were all amazed and praised God, saying, We've never seen anything like this. Eating with sinners. Jesus went beside the lake again. The whole crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he continued along, he saw Levi, Alphaeus' son, sitting at a kiosk for collecting taxes. Jesus said to him, Follow me. Levi got up and followed him. Jesus sat down to eat at Levi's house. Many tax collectors and sinners were eating with Jesus and his disciples. Indeed, many of them had become his followers. When some of the legal experts from among the Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why is he eating with sinners and tax collectors? When Jesus heard it, he said to them, Healthy people don't need a doctor but sick people do. I didn't come to call righteous people, but sinners. When to fast. John's disciples and the Pharisees had a habit of fasting. Some people asked Jesus, why do John's disciples and the Pharisees' disciple fast, but yours don't? Jesus said, the wedding guest can't fast while the groom is with them, can they? As long as they have the groom with them, they can't fast. Hebrew 11, verses 1 through 3. 
the Common English Bible. Description of Faith Faith is the reality of what we hope for, the proof of what we don't see. The elders in the past were approved because they showed faith. Acts of faith by God's people. By faith, we understand that the universe has been created by a word from God so that the visible came into existence from the invisible. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Tricia. Do you believe him? Do you believe Jesus Christ? Not believe in him, but you do believe him. Believing in is, is something we do with creeds. And I've always had a difficulty with creeds and dogmas. We believe in one God. We believe in Jesus Christ. Always the in. And we believe in one holy Catholic, which means universal church. These are man-made words. They're based in scripture, but they're not scripture. No. Do we believe him? Do we believe the words he says and the things that he does? Do you believe him when he says there is a new kingdom? Do you believe him when he said sins are forgiven? Do you believe him when he offers us a fourth way of living, a way where we don't have to commit violence, or we don't have to submit to violence, or we don't have to be co-opted by violence. This is important because we need to believe him before we can believe in him, before we can have faith. As we enter Lent, this is a good time to, to take stock of where we are on this road we're walking. We're following McLaren's book, on the road that we're walking. And we come now to the end of his second section. It gives us a chance to look back and look ahead a bit. And with today's scripture, we're entering that, we're leaving the second quarter of, of the book. Part one, you might recall, was being alive in creation. It was the story of, of this beautiful world that was created and that was fallen and promises made of it becoming a new kingdom, of being restored. Now, through the second quarter, we've been following the promise and the birth and the beginning and baptism and temptation and practice of Jesus Christ. And we've seen a prophecy coming to fulfillment it's what he said when he first took up that scroll of Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to liberate the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And the question is, do you believe that? He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the synagogue assistant, and sat down, and every eye in the synagogue was fixed on him, and he began to explain today 
This scripture has been fulfilled just as you heard it. Do you believe him? And with this, Jesus begins his teaching and healing and his inviting. And this brings us to some good questions. Reverend McLaren has them at the end of this section in the book. Why are Jesus' parables and miracles and teaching about hell important to us? Do you believe in Jesus? And to believe in Jesus, we need to believe him. And the choice to do that, the decision to believe Jesus, is one each of us has to make for ourselves. It's the crucial first step to deciding what McLaren makes very clear, whether we are to change our lives and follow Jesus. And looking ahead, it prepares us, too, for what's to come. Our decision coming this next Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, where we remember our return to creation, where we were created from dust, and to dust we shall surely go, and through Lent and Good Friday into Eastern beyond. But for now, let's take a look at where we are. And where we are is neatly summarized in today's readings. For in today's readings, we have Jesus doing what he's been doing all along in this journey. He's teaching and he's healing and he's inviting the uninvited into a kingdom of love. And we hear about faith. The author of Hebrews gives us that classic definition of faith that we heard today. Faith is the reality of what we hope for, the proof of what we don't see. Now, I have to confess, I've never understood those words. Particularly as a lawyer, we're supposed to deal with facts and evidence, and I've always gone to a judge with evidence that people could see. The proof of what we don't see. Raymond Panikkar, a Jew, Jesuit theologian, put it much more simply, faith is not in doctrines, but in the invisible. For me, this means that our faith is not in creeds or in hymns or even in a church. Our faith is in believing what Jesus Christ said and did. Frederick Berkner, a Presbyterian minister and theologian, puts it this way. Faith is a way of looking at what is seen and understanding in a new sense. Faith is a way of looking at whatever there is to be seen in the world and in ourselves and hoping trusting, believing against all evidence to the contrary, that beneath the surface, the surface that we see is vastly more that we cannot see. I'd add that for us Christians, what we cannot see is the justice and mercy of a living God. And we can see that because of Jesus Christ in what he said and in what he did. Believing Jesus means believing in what he says and what he does in his teaching and his healing and his inviting. And in today's scripture, we heard all three. He's teaching the word, and it's so crowded, no one can get in to see him. He's healing one who's brought to him, healing them through faith and healing, too, by forgiving sins. And he basically challenges those who are there. Do you believe that I am forgiving sins? The faith that sins are forgiven and that we can all take up our bed of despair and fear and walk into our new home. 
But to get there, we've got to begin somewhere. To get to that faith, we have to start. And, and the beginning is to decide, each of us to decide to hear and to listen and to believe what Jesus is telling us and showing us. Believing in what he preaches and teaches and what he does. And this is the first step. To be open to listening and watching and to believe him when he speaks and acts. And only then we will find faith to believe in him and in that new kingdom. The four friends had heard of Jesus and believed he could heal their friend. And they went to great lengths to act on that belief. Levi, is called Matthew elsewhere had heard that Jesus and heard Jesus and believed that Jesus meant it when he, a social outcast, was invited to join the cool kids. The others believed Jesus when he said it was okay to eat with each other and not to fast. That it was okay to break the rules when the rules worked to keep them apart. We've been given a path to follow to the new kingdom. A path of sins forgiven, of healing mercy, of justice for the poor, of blessings to come and blessings that are here now. Next Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, we look back at the beginning of that path with our beginning as dust, and we again take up a journey of belief. For now, let's rest in believing Jesus and what he said and what he did for what he showed us and what he's promised us for the hope he's given us. And, and for what I want to end this, by turning to something Reverend Craig Weeks, a retired United Methodist minister who's in the Missouri Annual Conference, what he wrote in his blog this week. I like to believe that the world is incrementally inching down a path leading to the kingdom values Jesus talked about, becoming more aware of issues, confronting injustice in varying forms, advocating for climate stewardship, all these things, aided by technology and instant communication, are hopeful. Then Russia invades Ukraine. Our feeling for the people living in the dark shadow of war and death are palpable. In our varied reactions to what is happening in Eastern Europe, we are all united around an empathy for the sufferers and a new focus for our prayers. And let me interject here as one whose son is in southern France as part of the military. I am praying. Throughout history, the faithful have searched many ways to address the beasts rising from sea and land. Some have advocated pacifism, and some have followed the just war theory. Still others have taken the path of Bonhoeffer in World War II. But they've all prayed the same prayers, and all have believed that the last kingdom standing will be God's. And Reverend Weeks concludes, God is the architect of the new heaven and earth and stronger than anyone choosing to erect a lesser kingdom. Such times as these serve to remind us that this is the hope we live our lives on, regardless of the latest CNN headlines. And to that, we can only add, amen.